Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I want to welcome you to the latest installment of School Struggles. I am proud to be a part of the Coffee Clutch team. and It's on School Struggles. We talk about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, dyslexia, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other topics that affect your child. By way of introduction, I am a child psychologist and the director of the Cooper Learning Center, which is a part of the Department of Pediatrics, Cooper University Healthcare, located in Voorhees, New Jersey, which is outside of the Philadelphia area. I am the author of The Shutdown Learner, Helping Your Academically Discouraged Child. My second book was School Struggles, both of which are published by Sentient Publications. And recently, my new baby came out called Dyslexia Screening, Essential Concepts for Schools and Parents. These are all available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Noble. And you can learn more about the books and my stuff in general at www.shutdownlearner.com. That site is loaded with blogs and lots of great information for parents, and you can follow me on Twitter by following at Dr. Sells, that's D-R-S-E-L-Z, and on Facebook by joining the Shutdown Learner community page by clicking the like button. And it's the goal of this show that we talk in kind of down-to-earth, plain language for parents to help them understand their child better. Um, I like to think of this as kind of a living room chat where we can discuss a, discuss challenging topics in a casual way. I'm very excited to introduce you to an internationally recognized expert in dyslexia. She's a real superstar in the field. Her name is Susan Barton, and Susan is a frequent and popular speaker at conferences focusing on dyslexia, reading instruction, early intervention, response intervention, and adult literacy issues. Susan is also an instructor of phonemic awareness and multisensory teaching techniques through the University of California, of learning disabilities at West Valley College, and of the graduate level courses screening for dyslexia, tutoring people with dyslexia, and understanding dyslexia and ADHD through the University of San Diego. 
very impressively in 2009, Susan Barton was inducted into the International Dyslexia Association's Hall of Honor, where a plaque with her name now hangs next to those for Dr. Orton, Anna Gillingham, Reed Lyon, Beth Slingerland, and other internationally recognized authorities in the field of dyslexia. That's like the Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig's in our field, Susan. So you are you must be very proud to have your plaque there. Well, it's it's nice to be there, but of course I would have done the work anyway. I didn't do it just for a plaque. <laughs> That's right. I, I, that's right. I know that about you. And and I just want to give a, a, a shout out to your website, which is Barton www.bartonreading.com. It's one word: Barton B A R T O N Reading.com. Um, so this this there are pages here more that I could say about you, but I would just like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. And, and I would like thank- to clarify that website. I actually have two different websites. I am the developer of the Barton Reading and Spelling System, which is one of many good Orton-Gillingham systems. So bartonreading.com is on the Barton Reading and Spelling System. I have a whole separate website with in-depth information on dyslexia itself and videos and all kinds of things. And that website is www.thewordbright, B-R-I-G-H-T, then the word solutions with an S on the end, and Bright Solutions is one long word, dot U-S, which stands for United States. So if you're looking for information on dyslexia itself, I would go to brightsolutions.us. Wonderful. Thanks for clarifying. That's great. Um, so tonight we are talking primarily about, the, uh, Susan, you recently presented, I know, as a Learning Ally webinar, and as part of the the webinar, you talked about nine things that parents need to do for their child who has dyslexia. So that's what our focus t- tonight will be. Um, so we're, gonna, we're going to go through those nine things, and, and hopefully, you know, you'll elaborate, and I'll ask you some questions. And that's mm-hmm. our focus. Great. So number one, you talk about the parent becoming a case manager. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? That means once you know um, or suspect or know for sure your child has dyslexia, you as the parent need to learn everything you can about that condition and take charge, which you would automatically if your child had a medical condition. You know, as soon as you got a medical diagnosis of who knows what, peanut allergy, leukemia, whatever, you'd learn as much as you could about it because you would know teachers at schools and relatives don't know much about it. And then you would educate people who spend a lot of time with your child about what the condition is, what their role is, what to watch for, how to help, when to notify you. And sadly, we still have to do the same thing about dyslexia. Even though it's not a medical condition, it's academic struggles, sadly, teachers still today in most states get very little, if any, training on dyslexia. So the parent has to become the expert, and the parent has to to guide the teachers and educate them gently as part of a team so they know what their roles are and they understand it better. So everybody's pulling together to support this child. That's great. Can you you elaborate a little bit on that's not a medical condition? I I get this from parents a lot in schools, which I think that Mm -hmm. you would be wonderful to enlighten people that, you know, well, we need to have a neurologist Uh, or a medical doctor do the diagnosing. Could you comment on that? 
Now, I think the term diagnosing is what confuses people. Many parents assume, wrongly, sadly, that when public schools test a child um, at their expense, that they're actually doing diagnostic testing. And I spend all day long many, many, many times trying to explain to parents that's not what schools are doing. Schools are not diagnostic clinics. They're, testing, they're not testing to find out, does your child have dyslexia or not? All that federal special education law requires them to do is to test to determine if this child is eligible for special education services, which means they meet whatever the school district's eligibility requirements are, and they vary from district to district and state to state. And they're not going to come out and say, oh, he's eligible because he has dyslexia. They're not testing for that. They're just testing to see, is he far enough behind with failing enough grades and has failed to respond to intervention for long enough that he qualifies. That's very different than true diagnostic testing. And and since dyslexia is not a medical condition, there's no blood test, there's no x-ray for this, and there's no medical solution, there's no pill or operation for this, it's really not medical testing. The testing is done by folks like you, school psych- former school psychologists, educational psychologists, neuropsychologists, not neurologists, but psychologists who have specialized training and, and know how to do specialized tests to probe for the strengths and weaknesses academically that come with dyslexia to prove that this child can't decode as, as, as a non-fluent reader, has terrible spelling, They may be low in reading comprehension, but not in listening comprehension. So we know comprehension isn't an underlying issue. They're not comprehending because they're not reading well and so on. So it is academic-type testing by a licensed psychologist or neuropsychologist, not a medical doctor. Right. I'd like to to bottle that explanation and bring that out there, you know. (laughs) I can't have people understand that as much as possible. It's, it's a very, very, you know, clearly stated, which I think there's so much confusion, probably unnecessarily yes, so. But I think the emphasis being that it is an academic, it's, an, it's fundamentally an academic slash educational issue that we're talking about. Yes. Back to uh, the case manager point. I think that's a great way to think about it. You know, if you had peanut allergies, you'd be learning everything you can. What are some ways that parents can can educate themselves? What, what do you advise them? Well, my dyslexia website is a great place to start, mostly because um, dyslexia runs in family trees. So one or both of the parents of a child with dyslexia probably don't read rapidly or accurately. So on my website, I've got a tab along the top that says free online videos about dyslexia. And I've got nine different videos that people around the world can watch at any time for free. Plus, if you printed out my website, you discover I have about 170 pages of text on dyslexia. That is, by the way, fully accessible, which means... If you don't read very well, you can just highlight any of the text and click on the listen button, and it'll read it to you. Right. Um, I also, on the To Learn More tab, I have many good websites, many good books, many other good videos on that. I've got a YouTube channel, which has 60 videos by other people on dyslexia. There are, of course, conferences on dyslexia. Every state now has a, a parent activist group called Decoding Dyslexia, where parents 
who are somewhere on this journey, especially ones who are at the very end and more experienced, are there to help support and educate parents just beginning this journey. Um, so there are many good organizations, videos, websites, books. You have some great books to help parents learn and understand this condition better. Yeah, I would I would support what, everything that you just said. I think that your site is is truly loaded with with great information that 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 is very accessible to parents and to to, to professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, the second point of your nine points, you talk about explaining dyslexia to your child. Yes. So this yeah, I your... think is the missing piece so often is oftentimes when a parent discovers or gets a formal diagnosis of dyslexia, they don't share it with a child. They keep it a secret. They think, maybe if I tell my child, it'll, it'll hurt his feelings, or, or maybe it'll make him lazy, or he'll just use it as an excuse. And trust me, the child knows yeah. from their first year in school that there's something different with me. Everybody else can do this so easily, and I'm trying as hard as I can, and I don't get it. The, the words on the page don't talk to me like they talk to that person. And if you don't explain why, they're going to make up a reason 10,000 times worse than reality. I mean, I remember very clearly when I worked at a dyslexia clinic and I got one new student, a sixth grader, who came in, and, and I wasn't part of the diagnostic team at the time, but I always got to see the testing reports before I met with a new student. And he came in, and he was sixth grade, and he plopped himself down. And he goes, I don't know why you're bothered to wasting any time tutoring me, because I'm going to die, you know. <laughs> and I kind of said, I said, you are? I said, you know, I looked through your file. I didn't see anything about that. Are you sure? They said, oh, yeah, I've heard everybody whispering about my brain. I know I must have a brain yeah. tumor, and I'm going to die. That's why my brain doesn't work very uh. well. Can you imagine living with wow. that fear? <laughs> the reality is so much easier to understand and get your arms around than and what they're going to make up is, is what to account for this. And pretty soon, if you don't explain it to them in a way that makes sense, they're going to start thinking that I must be dumb, stupid, right. retarded, never going to succeed. And that's where we get the depression and the anxiety sure. on top of it. Sometimes I find parents do a little too much, you know, backflips to make the explanation, you know, your brain is wired differently and we have to, you know, is there a particular way that you guide parents with, with particular language so that, one, the parent gets it and then, two, it's digestible to the child because I do worry about the mis- uh, you know, so the misinformation or misinterpretation, sort of like that child you just described, taking place mm-hmm. in such a conversation. Yeah. Well, how you describe it depends, of course, on the age of the child. So any parent who wants me wants my advice on how to explain it to a child can send me an email, just susan at brightsolutions.us, and say how to explain it to a child. And I'll send you suggestions based on age group. But for a, a, a child who's younger, say kindergarten, first, second, third grade, it doesn't have to be elaborate. But you can say something. Remember all the testing that we, we, we had you take a couple weeks ago with Dr. Selznick? Well, the testing revealed that you're really, really smart. But, of course, we knew that already. But it also showed that your ears are not really sensitive to sounds within words. You're not hearing individual sounds within words as easily as we thought. Now, there's nothing wrong with your hearing, but your brain isn't separating those sounds very well, which is why you've always hated it when we've said, sound it out. 
We never knew why that was so hard for you before. But now that we know it's your ears having trouble hearing those individual sounds, we're going to get you special help. So it'll make hearing those sounds so much easier. And once that gets easier, reading and spelling will also get easier. So notice we're right. compartmentalizing it and making this not a global, big, horrendous, awful, big deal. But then I also say, no, no, for young kids, we don't even have to use the word dyslexia because, they, you know, we can, certainly. But we need to explain it in a way that they can get their arms around. It also, we need to give them a way to explain it in a short sentence or two to friends or classmates or potentially even kids who might want to bully them, which is horrible, saying, how come you're the worst speller in the class? You know, you don't want to get into, well, my brain's wired differently. I mean, that's just is too right. much. You can say, it's because I have dyslexia, which means I don't hear sounds within words as clearly as you do, but we're working on it, and I'm getting better. That's do you enough. find the, um, in a, I, I find a bit of the hurdle with the word dyslexia that people have a very, very difficult time, even kids, shaking the notion of this being this, upside down and backward kind of condition, do you find that to be um, an impediment to understanding? Yes. And it's not the kids who have the hard time with it. It's that the adults have, there are so many rumors out there about dyslexia that I warn parents, you can't just go to your child's new teacher and say, oh, by the way, my child has dyslexia and assume they know what you know. Because since teachers in most teacher training colleges still today despite all of our research, don't get training in dyslexia. They believe the same thing the taxi driver does and your neighbor does. They believe the rumors that dyslexia means you see things backwards. Dyslexia means you can't be very smart. Dyslexia means you can't read at all, and so many of those rumors. So that's why just using the word dyslexia isn't enough. You have to kind of, especially with a parent to a teacher, you have to explain in a, in a comprehensible, short way what it really means. And don't assume if you use the word everybody's on the same page because they're not. Do you use the term reading disability interchangeably? Do I personally? No. Yeah, no, you stay with dyslexia. I stay with dyslexia. Dyslexia is yeah. not a bad word. We need to use it more often, but we also need to explain it. It's such a common condition, but so misunderstood. You can't just say the word and assume everybody knows right. the same thing. They don't. And, of course, as you know, being a psychologist, other things could cause you to fall into the category of reading disability. I mean, there's two major ones. Sure. You do a very good job explaining that in your book and on your, in your website. There's true reading comprehension all by itself. Mm-hmm. Which you read rapidly, you read accurately, you spell fine, you just can't comprehend it. That's not dyslexia. Right. But that would fall under reading disability as well. Correct. So I prefer dyslexia because that comes with very distinct gifted areas and weak areas. Right. Your third point is to for the parents to get Orton Gillingham tutoring. Yes. Explain what Orton Gillingham is for those out there. Okay. Once you know it's dyslexia, the reading, writing, spelling skills can be greatly improved if they get the right type of tutoring. Sadly, anybody can call themselves a tutor, and different types of tutoring could work for different kinds of kids. But for dyslexia, the research strongly supports 
what's called an Orton-Gillingham approach if the child is ready for it. Now, not every child with dyslexia is ready for it. Some have such severe trouble processing auditory that they're not yet ready for Orton. If you took them in any way, they would fail. That's why I have a 10-minute student screening on both websites that parents can give to their own child. It's not diagnostic. It doesn't prove somebody has dyslexia. And most people with dyslexia do just fine on all three parts. But if they can't pass all three parts, it means their auditory processing issues are too severe. And they can be fixed, but they need to be fixed first before they go into Orton. So Orton-Gillingham is a way of teaching reading and spelling and writing created way back in the 1930s by Dr. Orton and Anna Gillingham. And what you teach and how you teach it and the sequence of what you teach is totally different than regular old phonics or reading recovery or anything that schools typically do. Um, And I can give all kinds of technical words about it, but I have a 20-minute demo of what Orton-Gillingham looks like because if you see a demonstration of it, you'll say, oh, that's so wonderful and logical and brilliant. And I, I see now what you mean by tying reading and spelling together and making them seem very logical. And why it's color-coded and multisensory and all the rest of it. So there's all kinds of technical words, and I have all those words on our website. But watching that 20-minute sure. demo will make it really clear. And there are many good Orton-Gillingham-based systems, not just one or two. And I've got the most uh, well-known Eight or nine of them listed on our website. What are some of the more so common child, ones? Uh, the Wilson reading system is very well known. The Barton reading and spelling system is well known. Slingerland is well known. Um, alphabetic phonics, which was recently, a few years ago, upgraded and is now called Take Flight. Um, those, those are the major ones you'll hear about in most schools. Mm-hmm. And they're all good. And they'll all work if the person doing it is well-trained, does it as designed, and so on. Uh, but the Barton Reading and Spelling system is, is the only one designed for parents who don't have access to any other resources, any other mm-hmm. professionals, can get it and do it themselves and be as effective as the professionals. But trust me, most parents would much rather somebody else do it. Right. They'd much, <laughs> oh, yeah, they'd much rather the schools that. handle it. They'd much yeah. rather be able to afford a you know, right. certified professional who has years and years of experience, but there aren't enough of them to go around yet. Well, yeah, right. I was going to ask you, though, how you deal with the, 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 with the inherent tension points, be, you know, between the parent and the child. You know, the, I'm thinking of a little girl that we see in our program who, you know, loves coming here for her Wilson and multisensory work, but at home she's given her parent a lot of stuff. How, you, how do you deal with those tension points when you're advocating for, for this kind of work at home? Well, I think what you're asking is, if a parent is doing the tutoring themselves, how does the parent take off the mom hat and take off the criticizer hat and take off the whatever and put on the professional Mm -hmm. tutor hat? We deal with that quite a bit in our tutor training videos and and so on, helping a parent realize this is very hard work, frequent positive reinforcement, great comments, acknowledging that, yeah, you know, although you're brilliant over here, here, and here, I understand that this is harder for you, but we'll, be, we'll work on it together. We'll get through this. And I won't, you know, we'll, we'll stay on it until it's easy for you. Yeah. We move at whatever pace is right for the child. And we do now have, um, sometimes parents, because there's nobody else in their area, try the Barton system and discover they cannot easily switch parent hat and tutor hat. And I said, you know, if, if that happens, don't feel guilty over it. 
if you can't switch from one role to the other easily, then give up the tutor role because nobody else can be mom. Yeah. And a wonderful, supportive cheerleader mom is your most important role. There are certified Barton tutors who can do Barton tutoring over the Internet. Maybe you can find a friend, a neighbor, a relative, or somebody who's not so emotionally tied to the child who can do it for you. But never, ever, ever give up that most important role. Wonderful, supportive, cheerleader, loving mom. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I was just re- also reflecting on your introduction to the the Orton Gillingham, how you said that it was from the 1930s. Isn't it incredible with all the technology that fundamentally this methodology really hasn't changed since that period of time? Right. Yeah, the research today still shows that the most effective way to close the gap in their reading, writing, spelling skills, even, uh, you know, so those guys were brilliant in their assumptions yeah. and, and, and techniques. And the way the language unfolded, and, and the, the you know the text, the controls that are built into to the, the type of text that the child is exposed to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The next great great point. The next point on the list is to start. I love these that you mentioned. Start homework mm-hmm. accommodations. Um, can yes, you please elaborate immediately. On those? Yeah. Yeah. What? Every one classic warning sign of dyslexia is the nightly homework wars that start in kindergarten and first grade. Homework that should take somebody 10 minutes is an hour to an hour and a half of yeah. crying, screaming, slamming doors. You know, parents can't believe, oh, come on, you, 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 this can't be this hard for you. Yeah, you, you can do it if you, you try. Know, you're just, just lazy, you know, just, you know, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you see such a bright kid and you say, if you can do all of this so well, how come this is so hard for you? I don't get it. And so, of course, once yeah. parents understand what's going on with their child, then they feel all the guilt for all the things they've said all those years. Right. Yeah. But we have to make, if you say to a child, oh, the good news is we've just discovered you have dyslexia, now we're going to get you specialized tutoring two or three times a week, and we'll have to drive for half an hour and go for an hour and drive home for half an hour, and then we'll tackle five hours of homework, which means you now have to give up what you're good at, your, your football, your anything else, and you wonder why they're not excited or happy <laughs> about this. Like, yeah, no. Exciting. You know, yeah, we're gonna take you to yeah, the yeah. You, you've just taken yeah. away all the joy in my life, and you and and you know you wonder yeah. you know that's that's not appropriate. So I tell parents all the time, if you want to cut homework time in half and get rid of the tears and frustration, start homework accommodations now tonight. Don't ask for permission from the teacher. Just do it, because if you're not careful, what dyslexia will really do is rob a child of a childhood. They don't have time to be a child. By the time you're in fourth grade, you're missing all your recesses, you're being held in at lunch, you're staying after school for a homework club, then you have to go home and do hours and hours, and then you have to do tutoring, and you fall asleep. The real uphill battle, isn't it? You know, at at 11 o'clock at night, and you have to get up at 5 o'clock the next morning. and, and and, And we wonder why they have secondary depression and anxiety. So you're, well, you're, I just you? want to stop for this one you I, I t- 100% agree with what you're saying, you're, but you're also, I mean, because at first I was sort of reflecting on young children, but really you're, in many ways when you mentioned the 11 o'clock, you're talking about you know, middle school and up to high school as well, that we need to be reading oh, to those grade. kids with dyslexia, even if the kid's 16, 17 years old, correct? Oh, yeah, but it, it's, it often takes, I've heard of those same stories in fourth grade. Yeah, sure. I've had parents call me and say, we don't have time for tutoring because we're drowning in homework and we're in fourth grade. And I said, no, you don't understand. That's the wrong approach. If you don't get the right type of help now, it's going to get worse. 
We need to cut homework back to a reasonable length of time. So we not only have time for tutoring, but we also have time to let them grow and develop their gifted areas, just to have downtime right. and be a kid. And homework accommodations are yeah. things parents can do immediately tonight. And your top one and is to have the parent being able to the parent read everything right. they can to the child. Right. Print is not their friend, not at the beginning, not until they've had enough tutoring. So do homework without print, which means if they have to read something, read it to them, or get audio books from Learning Ally, or or get a a computer screen reader. They can learn through their ears, although they can't learn through their eyes by reading it yet. So if you want them to learn, read it to them. Their reading will not get any better by forcing them to read it themselves. Read it to them. Anything they would have to write down for homework, you know, they have to answer questions at the end of the chapter. Do it orally. One by one, ask the question out loud, let them tell you the answer, and you write it down. You write it down, Or let them dictate it into the computer, let the computer write it down for him, so that he can use the words he knows to explain his concept and not worry that I don't know how to spell every single one. And with a dysgraphia, I don't know how to form every single letter, and it's just painful. Now, that also means, Mom and Dad, you don't change their answer. If, you, if they tell you the wrong answer, write down the wrong answer. It's their right. answer. You're just yeah. getting rid of it. That is the most common accommodation offered in schools. It's called acting like a scribe. Just yeah. get it onto paper for them. And do not have them copy it in their own hand. They do not learn by copying. Okay? And then just you, forget the weekly yeah. spelling test sent home by the teacher. These kids cannot yeah. learn to spell by trying to memorize 20 words from Monday through Friday. Because even if they spend an enormous amount of time and do okay on Friday's test, they won't know them the following Monday. It's total wasted time. Let the work from their tutor count as their spelling grade. Their tutor will be working on spelling intensely. In right, with, with, words that are, with words that are at their developmental level. Exactly. So you just do those three things, you'll cut, you'll cut homework time in half and get rid of the tears and frustration. One other quick point. You you mentioned about the no, uh, quote, reading practice, end quote, for 20 minutes a day unless Mm -hmm. text is provided by his Orton Gillingham tutor. Right. If exposure alone, if, if, if more reading practice would improve his reading, he'd be reading by now. Right. Our kids have been exposed to reading and print for years. You can't... You won't get better doing more of what you don't know how to do. It just teaches them to guess more and guess more and guess more, and guessing is what's running them into the wall in the first place. So reading more of uncontrolled text that you can't decode yet is only going to encourage you to keep guessing, and guessing is what's going to hurt your comprehension and everything else. Now, when Orton Gillingham tutors teach, they teach them how to read by sounding out. So if you don't recognize a word immediately, you can figure it out with the skills you've mastered with your tutor. So if you want to do reading practice at home, let the tutor send home the reading material because she will send home or he will send home material that he can decode based on the skills that he's mastered with her or him, with the tutor. That's worth doing. But uncontrolled, here's a library book off the shelf, read it to me. It's just going to reinforce right. the habits that are running him into the wall in the first place. Right, and even even if those books are supposedly at, say, the grade level. You know, you'll all see this a lot where mm-hmm. uh, it's a second grade level book. Well, that book has many words that are beyond of the child's scope. 
Of course. So an Orton tutor will start by teaching words that have a single vowel that is short first and then whatever. And any yeah. second grade book is going to have all kinds of silent E words and vowel yeah. words and multisyllable words and stuff words, yeah. that are second grade vocabulary, oral vocabulary, but aren't at his reading level yet. Right. So read it to him. You know, continue to read to your children every night. They can they can watch the print if they want to, follow along if they want to, but reading to them is valuable. Books at their intellect level. So the vocabulary grows and their love of, of reading grows and literature grows and their knowledge of the world grows. Or let them listen to those wonderful books on audio, but don't have them try to read it themselves until they have the skills necessary to do that accurately. Are any other last uh, other ones? To, on, that, those are great. I mean, the, the reading to the yeah. child and and cutting down all of the amount of time and letting them be kids. Any other ones you would put on top of that? that well, yeah. Ma- many people don't realize that dyslexia will also impact math in certain right. predictable ways. Like sure. they understand math concepts, but they can't memorize their math facts. They get confused about directionality. Which side do I start the problem on? I get right. um, when I get to multi-step math problems, I get the, the steps out of sequence, or I can't remember all the steps. So I do have, and I'm happy to send to anybody who asks for it by email, um, advice on math, on how do we help the, the predictable struggles that come in math because of dyslexia. So anybody who wants that advice on on math tips can just send me an email asking for it, and I'll be happy to send it to them. I'm going to be emailing you. <laughs> okay, very good. Be, I mean, you're, getting, you're going to get a lot of emails from me later for your, for your tips. Um, the next one we t- on your list is fight for classroom accommodations. I guess it's a, yes. a new, nice segue from the previous one. Right. Whether it's public school or private school, even in homeschool they need some accommodations, but particularly in the classroom, because teachers don't understand dyslexia and they don't know what's going on with a child, they can make school miserable. I mean, I have not yet met one single solitary adult with dyslexia, even mild dyslexia, who liked school. Isn't that sad? Not one. Because school was a place they went to with dread that the teacher's going to do something to accidentally humiliate me in front of my friends by having me force me to stand up and read out loud, force me to participate in a spelling bee force me to write my answers on the chalkboard, uh, exchange papers with each other and grade each other's papers. Right. Just constant. Be in an accelerated there. reader class where the progress report, you know, chart is in the front of the class and everybody can see my truck is not, not very far from the starting line yet. And I never ner- learn, earn enough points for it to go on Fun Friday or the pizza party or anything else. Anytime a teacher accidentally reveals this kid's weaknesses to their peers, It not only sets them up for tremendous bullying, but it reinforces to everybody that this kid is lazy or stupid, and they're not either, of course. So, And that's why they dread going to school, and they beg their mom every morning, please don't make me go to school today, Mom. I got one of those headaches. I got one of those stomach aches. Please don't make me go to school today. Why they start cutting school in high school and, and, and heading towards dropout. So one type of classroom accommodation is to educate the teacher. Now, the teachers don't do this on purpose. Not, you know, nobody goes in saying, oh, I, I want to become a teacher because I love to torture kids or humiliate them. Of course not. It's just that right. they don't understand dyslexia. They don't realize that this isn't making things better. This is making things worse. So this is part of a parent becoming a case manager. 
and guiding the teacher in what she needs to do or stop doing so that their child is not afraid to come to school. So half the accommodations are to make the classroom a safe place to be. And the second half are to provide a way for this student to prove their knowledge, even though they're not yet reading, writing, spelling at grade level. So they would be things like, how can I prove what I know in a written test when I have a hard time reading the questions and I don't know how to write down the answers that I could tell you out loud? Well, then we arrange for out loud testing, oral testing. Or if I have to do an in-class written assignment where there's nobody available that I can dictate the assignment to, then let me write it but stop putting red marks all over it because of the spelling mistakes. You know, grade it on content. Ignore the spelling. Right, right. You know, l let me use my technology tools in class. Don't, you know, shorten the assignments so I can get them done in a reasonable amount of time and don't keep me in at recess or lunch. So right, there should be no sense, of, no sense of punishment implied, yeah. Exactly. So, I, again, I have a free one-hour video on our website called Classroom Accommodations, and I can send anybody parent advice on how to figure out which ones your child needs and how to go ask the teacher to provide some. Because teachers can do this whether a child has a 504 or an IEP or not. They just don't know to do it. Sure, sure, right. So it's not it doesn't parents have, have to be written into a 504. Right. Yeah. Parents have to take the lead and go ask for them. Otherwise, school can be just a horribly miserable place to be. I have about five minutes here, so we have about three other, four other points on your on your nine okay. things. So I want to not okay. make so briefly touch on, it, on, on the next two that I think are the most important, and I'll probably leave yeah. off the last two. Okay. Technology tools are fabulous and wonderful, and they're cheaper and better than they ever have been in the past. Technology tools allow a child to immediately bypass their weak areas so they can do more things independently. And parents, this is so important. You can get the technology tools yourself. Pick one or two off my list. I'd be happy to send you a list if you just ask for tech tools. I'll send you a list of my favorites. Because truly, when you're in sixth or seventh grade, you really don't want to have to wait for mom to come home for work and then dictate all your stuff to her and show her again what you can't do. You'd much rather be able to do it yourself. And with technology tools, you can. So get technology tools, one or two. Teach them to your child. Once they know those, get one or two more. They're fabulous. And then the last and most important thing that only a parent will be able to do is to find and grow their child's gifted areas. Teachers don't have the time or priority to do that anymore. They're teaching to the test. They've got all these test scores to worry about. The tutor's not going to do it. She's going to be working in the child's weakest area. Somebody, and it's going to be the parent, has to find and grow the child's gifted areas. And I tell parents constantly when I give talks around the country, for every hour you spend getting your child the right type of tutoring, you, the parent, need to spend an equal hour or more finding and developing and growing their gifted areas. That is so important. Can you mention a few of these gifted areas that things. you typically see? Oh, there's tons of them. With dyslexia, they, I can guarantee you they will be years better than anybody else in one or more of the following areas. It might be some form of art, but it won't necessarily be painting or sketching. You've got to think bigger than that. Their ability to visualize things in three dimensions in their head make them fabulous architects, landscape designers, fashion design, graphic design, sculpture, photography. Right. I, I, call, or, I call a lot of these kids Lego kids and shutdown learners. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah. terminology. 
or athletic skills. They're often incredibly gifted athletically. So I hate it when high schools have the thing, the policy that if your grades drop too low, we pull you off the athletic. Yeah, me too. Oh, God, I agree with that. Music, whether vocal or instrumental, as long as we keep them away from from printed music, because that flat, Mm two-dimensional system of printed music doesn't work well for them. Their people skills are universally outstanding. And you combine right, that with their logic charming, skills, is why they're, they're, they're good at it. Can really oh, light up yeah. The room. yeah, yeah. And so they're really good as 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 team leaders, as debaters, as attorneys, as as salespeople, and so on. And 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 being around comedians are quite people. funny. Oh yeah, oh yeah, funny. great sense of humor. Absolutely. Uh, Mechanical skills means anything they can see, touch, manipulate, they'll instantly understand and love. And you combine that with their good logic skills, and it makes it explains why they're so good in fields like medicine, computing, engineering designing, building, fixing, um, because complexity doesn't scare them. They're plenty smart. Right. If it's logical and I can see it and, and fuss with it, I can figure it out and I won't have to memorize it. Um, their three-dimensional visual spatial skills are incredible. So is their curiosity. They love knowing how things work, why things work, which is why they bug you all the time. Why, 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 why? <laughs> and why they come and say, why is cat spelled with a C and kitten spelled with a K? But we, when we teach them how to spell, we teach them why. Because these are bright kids. These are logical kids. If they understand why, they can apply it to any word. But if you, if you don't know why, you said, I don't know, just memorize it. Memorizing illogical doesn't work for these kids. And creative, oh, my word. Yeah. These are your out-of-box thinkers. They tackle problems differently, solve them differently, often faster and better than the rest of us could. Which is why, no matter what, we have got to get these kids through school unscathed as much as possible so they can put these gifts to work out there in the world and not spend the rest of their life hiding and feeling defeated and stupid. Which is your shutdown learner. Yeah, shutdown learner. You you are an incredibly passionate and knowledgeable advocate, advocate. Now, gang, you know why Susan Barton is in the International Dyslexia Hall of Fame with those other major figures. I want to thank you for everything. You, you, I know you could, could have given us hours more. <laughs> One more time, please tell us the name of the website that you would that people and the way that the email address where they can contact you. Okay, the website that has all the information on dyslexia is www. Period. And then it's the first two letters of my information resource center, Bright, which is Bright Solutions for Dyslexia. So the website is just Bright Solutions. So it's B-R-I-G-H-T, then the word solutions with an S on the end of it, dot U-S for United States. So my email is just the word Susan, spelled the traditional way, S-U-S-A-N, at brightsolutions.us. Or... If you want to call instead of send an email, um, I, I'm, in, I'm available for phone calls from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. California time, Monday through Friday, at 408-559-3652. Thank you. And Susan confirmed with me that she basically doesn't sleep, so she is available <laughs> around the clock. So thank well, you. Well, don't try um, one in the morning. I, I won't be in the office. To, what's that? Don't try calling me at 1 in the morning. I won't be in the office. <laughs> I do sleep sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I invite people to visit the 
Coffee Clutch website, which is www.coffee, the Coffee Clutch, that's the with coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, and then clutch, K-L-A-T-C-H.com, thecoffeeclutch.com. And my website, again, is shutdownlearner.com. And Susan, thank you once again, and take care, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Take care. My pleasure. Bye. Bye.